and welcome to the roadmap from Auto Finance News since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. It's Monday, July 10th, and I'm Amanda Harris, joined by Riley Wolfbauer. This is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending July 7th, 2023. In general economic news, the Federal Reserve is likely going to raise rates this month and potentially bring an additional hike in September after the unemployment rate fell to 3.6% in June and average hourly earnings rose 4.4% year over year. Non-farm payrolls increased 209,000 last month. An automotive vehicle finance-related consumer complaints with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau are on track to surpass 13,000 by year-end, with the volume of complaints filed through mid-year outpacing total volume in 2020. Difficulty making loan payments topped list of complaints, while consumers also complained of struggles related to managing and paying their car loan, as well as lenders' refusal to lower their payments. With vehicle sales increasing, it's likely complaint volume will too. Nearly every major auto manufacturer also posted double-digit year-over-year growth in sales during the second quarter. American Honda sales jumped 44.7% year-over-year. Nissan sales grew 33% year-over-year. Hyundai posted a 14% year-over-year increase. And Stellantis' sales ticked up 6% year-over-year. Rising rates continue to be one of the biggest factors keeping auto sales from reaching pre-pandemic numbers, but obviously still very strong. An auto finance subprime auto lender, Gateway Financial Solutions, became the latest financer to curtail indirect auto lending. Riley, tell us what's going on there. Yeah, so as you just said, Gateway Financial Solutions, they scaled back their indirect auto lending. Um, they are a they are based in Saginaw, Michigan. So they scaled their indirect auto, they scaled back their indirect auto lending outside of the state of Michigan in May. Um, Gateway Financial Services originated 377 loans and leases in Michigan in May. That's where their greatest footprint is. So that's why they're keeping their presence up um, in the state. Um, Gateway also originates loans in Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Missouri, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Um, So they pulled back in all of those states outside of Michigan. Um, as over the past few months, they have seen their volume decrease a little bit. Um, in March, they did 146 loans and leases in Indiana, and their their volume went down to 87 in May. Um, for another comparison, in Missouri, they had 68 in March, and then by the time they got to May, they were down to 27. So the motivation behind the pullback is that they're placing more of a focus on their primary footprint just to maximize operational efficiencies in an attempt to offset the rising cost of capital. Um, that is what uh, Chief Executive Christian Kristen Carwatt uh, told us. Um, GFS has no additional plan for any more pullback at this time outside of Michigan, but they are constantly looking at um, what they have to do to be most profitable. Um, But as uh, they are just the latest one to join in the pullback last week, fifth third, they ended their indirect auto lending in select Western states. Um, Citizens Financial, they completely exited auto lending in June. And And then Mechanics Bank and Key Bank also exited earlier within the past couple of years. So this is just 
the next one who has pulled back a little bit amid the rising cost of capital and not as much or not as many loans occurring out there. Definitely. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, knowing that regional banks and, and certain banks are pulling back on, you know, their indirect auto finance business, how this will play out, you know, with earnings coming up. So we'll be definitely uh, paying close attention to those numbers. I'm sure they're going to be down <laughs> for, for most of them anyway. Uh, so we'll kind of see what happens. But turning to some electric vehicle news, um, EV sales improved at many of the major manufacturers in the second quarter, boosted by record-setting sales in June. So, for example, General Motors Q2 EV sales jumped 114.4% year-over-year to just over 15,600 units, while Hyundai set Q2 sales records of multiple of their EV models, including its Elantra HEV and Santa PHEV. Ford Motor and Kia, however, did see EV sales fall during the quarter. Ford sales dropped 2.8% year-over-year to about 14,800 units, while Kia's sales of its EV6 fell 32.3% year-over-year. In June, Ford's overall EV sales actually increased 35.5% year-over-year to 5,900 units, and Toyota Motor North America's EV sales rose 28.8% year-over-year to about 51,500 units. So EV sales are very strong pretty much across the board. Even the, the the few downticks we saw weren't large. And in June, we did see pretty much across the board everyone going up with, with a couple of outliers there. But while sales are strong, EV inventory continues to hit dealer lots. And we know new models are coming and production has not slowed. But demand is still mixed, prompting concerns that there could be an oversupply or, in our sources' words, a tsunami of product coming in within the next three months. And that's because EV supply set at 92 days in the second quarter, which by comparison is up from 35.8 days a year ago and higher than the 51 days that new vehicle supply, supply is sitting at industry-wide at the end of June. So they're not slowing down EV production. It's harder to sell EVs in the mainstream market, which is really where EVs are now headed. Early adopters have pretty much you know, gotten their vehicles. We know they've been a luxury product for a long time. There is now this push to get more in the mainstream, the regular buyers who come in and typically finance their vehicle purchases. And there's still a lot of hesitancy to even get an EV because of range anxiety and it's new, the technology is new, the price is still very high. And again, a lot of people just aren't sure about being able to charge and, and have that range that they need. So there's still a lot of hesitancy there while production hasn't slowed down and supply is building. So that could spell some challenges down the road. Um, EV prices are already down about 15% year over year. So we'll probably will see more price cuts incentives on the horizon to drive those sales again trying to offset some of that production outpacing the the sales right now and subscriptions are one way companies are looking to address that hesitancy i talked about so vehicle subscription platform fin for example just secured a 27 million dollar asset back facility and they're going to use that to purchase vehicles and their inventory is about 30 percent evs 55 percent electrified vehicles including hybrids they're based in germany and in the u.s and they will use their new capital funding, which goes um, into their kind of pot of other capital funding that they have, to buy vehicles to list for subscription. And they'll contribute more of their equity funding to grow their business and invest in operations. So before they really had to rely on equity also to purchase vehicles. Now they can really purchase straight with debt funding. And now they can put more of their equity into growing their um, subscriptions for consumers. They also do business to business fleet subscriptions. So those are probably going to pick up 
uh, both in Germany and in the U.S. So they're trying to grow the U.S. market since that's fairly new as well. So I'm sure we'll have more EV news to share with you all soon. But that about does it for today's episode. Uh, stay tuned as earnings season does kick off later this week with Chase Auto and Wells Fargo. So we will be covering those as well as continuing earnings coverage over the next about month or so as they continue. All right, thank you for joining us on the roadmap and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We will see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.